We are back with another episode of the Black Box Podcast. I'm your host, John. And I'm your host, Ahmed. And today we have our friend, Nate, explain a, a, a little bit about Section 8 housing to us. And um, I'm sure you guys are used to our interviews by now. But Nate, it was what was really cool about our conversation with Nate is that he was our age. So he was 23 and he is in a position where he is able to choose when he would leave his nine to five job. And Nate does a really good job explaining some of the reasons that he chooses to invest in section eight housing and what are the benefits of it. And um, yeah, I think it's a, just a really good conversation. He kind of also talks about some of the myths or downfalls that people tend to bring up when talking about section eight housing. So I think that's cool. And, you know, he did a good job at least of, you know, marketing the idea of getting into section eight versus uh, normal uh, real estate investment. Yeah. And uh, Nate, I feel like Nate has us kind of like questioning some of our decisions right now or re rethinking things, but we might need to cop some section eight housing. Maybe a, hopefully it's a bit in- influential. Um, so yeah, we think you guys are going to love it. We're super excited to uh, announce on black box that we have our first advertisement and it is with our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, which is what we've been using since day one to record remotely with our guests. Uh, and they've become a new sponsor for the show. So tune in, check out the podcast discount link in our show notes, and stay tuned to hear more about why we love Zencaster. All right, Nate, uh, thanks for coming on. I'm glad we could connect via Twitter. Yeah, uh, you want sure. to just introduce yourself a little bit before we get into it? Yeah, so my name is Nate. Um, I am from Logan, Utah. I've been in real estate for about three years now. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that I'm passionate about. And yeah, hopefully I can kind of answer some of you guys' questions and, and go from there. I'm excited to be on. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, Yeah, I guess. So the way that we connected was through Peak Homes. Is that just one of the businesses you have? And is that specifically for Section 8? And then you have another business for, you know, regular real estate? No. So actually, Peak Homes is my business for all real estate. It's uh, mostly I'm just in Section 8. I like, I mean, we'll go over kind of the ins and outs of that. Um, but I have one other business as well. It's like an Amazon FBA that's, that's totally separate, but oh, nice. I'm definitely passionate about um, real estate, but specifically Section 8. Um, and so, so yeah, that's the business, Peak Homes LLC. So, yeah. Got you. And um, is there, I guess we'll start off with a pretty big question. Is there a reason, like, or what is your reason for specializing in Section 8 housing? Yeah, for sure. Great question. So specifically Section 8, why I like that is because it's a guaranteed income through the government. You know, at the end of the day, tenants, they can decide not to pay. I mean, besides contracts and everything, whether they're Section 8 or not, any tenants can decide not to pay their rent. So why just one of the many reasons why I like Section 8, I would say the biggest, though, is that it's guaranteed income. The government is sending you that check on the first of the month. I don't lose sleep. So that's really nice. And then obviously let's hope the tenants are paying their portion, uh, which they definitely should be. So that's a huge benefit. 
Um, some other benefits as well is that uh, there's uh, annual inspections. Some people see that as a downfall. I like that. I'm investing specifically right now in the Cleveland, Ohio area. So that's a long ways from Utah where I'm at. And so each year having the program go and check it out, make sure you know it hasn't been burnt down is very nice. And I don't have to pay for that. Um, now, there are some... Uh, People that say, oh, well, you know, Section 8 low-income housing tenants, you know, they're just going to trash the place. And I don't agree with that. You know, they, whether they're Section 8 or not, the biggest part that you have to do is your screening. That's so important. And so if you, if you screen them properly how you should, you, you're going to be all right. Obviously, there's going to be, you know, some of those tenants that are just going to trash the play. Yeah. I mean, it's just what it is, but whether they're section eight or not section eight tenants, they still have the same opportunity to trash the place period. So it's all in the screening. Is, is your screening process, would it differ for section eight or regular property? And no. kind of how do you, how do you screen? What are you looking for? Yeah. So what I'm looking for is just any, you know, first there's like a just general application screening where it's like, okay, are there any big red flags, any, you know, evictions, filed for bankruptcy, anything like that, any criminal history. Um, it's not really difficult, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. But lots of people yeah. just, they get worried about, oh, it's vacant, it's vacant. And the first person that shows interest, we're throwing them in the property. And you just can't do that. You cannot do that. You just got to do your due diligence, screen them. And, you know, I mean, there's tons, thousands of different platforms. I use uh, apartments.com. Uh, okay. they've been awesome. Uh, and so, yeah, they have a really good screening platform and stuff like that. So yeah, just do your due diligence there and you will thank yourself in the long run. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Um, so you said you're, you're doing a lot of work right now in Cleveland. Is there a specific reason you chose Cleveland or are there multiple cities that you're involved with? So right now, uh, Cleveland, uh, and why that is, is because you got to look at uh, accessibility to public transportation. So this is specifically for Section 8 Section is 8. what I'm going over. And why you got to do that is lots of these people, you know, they're low income. Majority probably don't have vehicles or anything. So the accessibility to public transportation, Cleveland, awesome at that. You got to look at crime rate. And one of the areas that I wanted to be in was Birmingham, uh, but it was really bad at the end, you know, after going through all the screenings, the crime rate was really bad there. So that's just kind of an example as to what turned me off there. But um, yeah, crime rate, accessibility to public transportation. And obviously these properties, they're not going to be amazing, really nice properties that maybe you and I would live in, but they're, they're totally habitable. They're in good condition, obviously. I mean, we do inspections, we pay for the inspections, like definitely should but they're going to be in areas that aren't the greatest period i mean that's just what it is yeah. section 8 housing they're like c-grade homes and so um yeah accessibility public transportation crime rate in the area um my kind of buy box i guess is anywhere between 40 and seventy thousand, and you can get a the properties in cleveland the, that price point you can get a property that is um that is turnkey ready, honestly, for that price point. Whereas like in Utah, holy crap. I mean, yeah. you're not, I mean, you're not getting 
eating things York, that so. you're getting a shit. Oh yeah, for you guys, it's like yeah, nothing. So, <laughs> yeah, it is insane. You really so. can't think of a property uh, under three hundred. Oh, for sure. And that's kind of like in Utah, you guys even more so, but, um, so yeah, just a handful of buy boxes that I have that I just kind of go through and you know, that, that checked, checked the boxes for me and then reached out to uh, some agents in there or some real estate agents to kind of get to know. I mean, I've never even been to Cleveland, so I get a really good uh, understanding of the area and then, yeah, just kind of go from there and just took off. So I guess, um, in, in addition to all these things that you're looking specifically because it's a section eight house, uh, you're also looking, you know, just in a regular, as a regular investor that this area is going to grow and flourish in the future or. So actually not so much. I really don't care all about the value of the property necessarily. You're, just, you're using it's it as a passive flow. income source. Okay. 100%. I really don't care. Obviously I want to get the property at a good price. And that's why, you know, when it gets appraised, you might have to renegotiate because you don't want to overpay or anything, but I really don't care about, I'm not buying this for the appreciation for the appreciate. Exactly. I'm not, it's the cash flow, hundred percent. So podcasting remotely can be challenging, but with Zencaster, the product that we use to record our episodes, it doesn't really have to be Zencaster's all in one web-based solution makes the process pretty quick and painless which is, you know, the way we really want it to be. If you've been listening to The Black Box for a while now, you know that we constantly talk about how we want to bring the best quality and the best content for our listeners, you guys. And with Zencaster, they provide crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video for us as we record our episodes with our guests. Uh, Not to mention it's easy to use. That's why we really like it because instead of having to coach, you know, guests on how to set up a podcast if they haven't been on one before, we basically just say show up with a mic and a, a computer and you're good to go with Zencaster. Zencaster is all about making making your podcast experience easy and with everything from local recording to automatic post-production tools. If you want to use those, uh, you don't even have to leave your browser to get the entire episode done. If you go to zen.ai slash black box and enter our promo code black box, you'll get 30% off on your first three months of Zencaster Pro. That's zen.ai slash black box, B-L-A-C-K-B-O-X. It's time to share your story. So I guess... This is a little bit larger of a question than just uh, the housing in Section 8, but you also have an Amazon FBA. What, at what point did you decide you wanted to start getting into the passive income space, like on, being an yeah. entrepreneur and stuff like that? So for me, so I guess that's kind of a two-part question, the specifically real estate portion of it and then the entrepreneur status of it, I guess. And as far as uh, to answer the entrepreneur status, all the way back. Uh, so I'm 23, been out of high school, what, like six years, seven years about. So I've kind of always uh, had that entrepreneur mindset. No one in my family, my brother-in-law, uh, totally entrepreneur, uh, made his own business, everything like that. But it's not anything with the real estate or anything. But yeah. uh, he's kind of been um, someone who I've you know, looked up to and everything like that. And I just thought, um, I went to college for like one semester. I'm like, this is just isn't for me. And there's nothing wrong with it. College is great. You know, learning is awesome, but I just think you, you got to be careful. You know, you're paying a premium. College is so expensive nowadays. You, you just got to be careful. So that's kind of where entrepreneur uh, mindset came from. I just wanted something where if I dropped dead, I would still be making money. I think that's really cool. And just not be yeah. just that passive uh, is really where you can, um, uh, scale, honestly, passive. So, and then kind of the second part specifically real estate was when I bought 
um, the house I'm at now uh, in Logan back, it was like August of 2020. It was right in the midst of, you know, the pandemic and everything. And I go over all that in my, on my website and everything on um, kind of how that all happened. And so I, I, everyone, family was like, oh man, you're kind of crazy buying right now. It was right you know, I thought it might be the peak of home prices. Little did I know my home's like gone up 60% value. It's just ridiculous. Um, yeah, I got it for like 240 and it just appraised, it was 248 and then now it appraised at 405. So I'm super, super happy about that. Yeah. So turned out good. Um, but you know, everyone was weary and then my personality is like, Hey, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Let's just go for it. Take the risk. You got to do that. Yeah, especially I, I'm young. I'm not married or anything. I'm only risking myself and I'm fine with that. It's definitely harder when you get older, you have kids, um, you're risking all of their lives and everything like that. But but anyways, uh, so I bought that. And then the turning point was when I rented out the two extra rooms. And I was like, holy crap, that pays my mortgage. This is pretty cool. I'm passionate about this. I like real estate. So I went through and I'm actually in the process of getting my real estate license, but that's been on hold because right about when I just have to take the final state exam and why I just put that on hold is because I learned about section eight, like right at the end. And that has just, that's, that's just kind of consumed me from there. So I just need to take the final, final test and then technically, you know, be a licensed agent in Utah, whether I'm going to use that probably not a whole lot, but you might as well finish you, right? I mean, you're already at the very end. So, um, but yeah, then I learned about section eight and I, funny enough, I learned about section eight, um, on Instagram. There's this guy, uh, actually his handles, Tom Cruise, but he's not the Tom Cruise that, (laughs) um, the real Tom Cruise, Cruise, but I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he, he's the man with section eight. And I saw some of his posts and I'm like, this is pretty cool. Like I like the whole because section eight it's simply just how you rent the property i mean you're not buying it any different it's simply a a method of collecting payment that's simply all it is and then i was like this is awesome i i want to do this i already have been renting out the two other rooms i paid my mortgage let's get some properties and then the whole section eight that timing worked out really good and then you know i just haven't looked back since and so yeah yeah do you feel like because what you're saying, the ability of guarantee, somewhat guaranteed payment by the government, despite mm-hmm. whether your tenant really does pay them or not, because I guess they're paying the government in that sense. Yeah. And sometimes it can be a tiny amount too. Like normally the government pays uh, on average about 80%. So if they oh, don't pay, right. you're okay. still cash flowing as well. But and yeah. do you think that most people aren't talking about this or making it as a, I feel like not not that many people are really speaking about this. And do you feel like that's because the potential negative points you brought up earlier? Or people um, think Section 8 specifically? Pay? Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, it just has the a... One risk to real estate is really that, you know, you might not get... Your tenants might not pay you and then you have to figure out how to pay the more. Oh, for sure. Pay. For sure, for sure. And I would say the biggest reason why landlords steer away from Section 8 is the reputation. The reputation of low-income housing is that they trash the place. They never pay on time. You're going to have to evict them. And, you know, circling back, it's in the screening. 
it's so, so important that, that you screen them. And um, to start out, there's two properties that I'm closing on. They're both going to close the 27th of next month, both in Cleveland. And both of them actually already have tenants. Um, they're paying under fair market rent, but they're not Section 8. And so, you know, each property is unique, whether they're vacant, whether they already have tenants. And the game plan normally with homes that um, already have tenants is... I mean, I, I don't want to kick them out right away. If they're good tenants, you know, that's fine. It's not like I'm only doing Section 8, like, sorry, I'm evicting you or, you know, you have to move out before I close. Yeah. That's that's not the case. So normally the best way to go about it is if they're paying under fair market rent, which they are quite a bit, um, a few hundred dollars under just what fair market rent is. And you can look up on the website, like fair market yeah. rent for this, that, and the other, any location. And so how we go about that is just wait uh, a few months, collect some rent, and then you know, just be like, hey, this is what fair market rent is. And both of them are month to month as well. So um, that's super important. Obviously, if they're in an agreement, you have to get that all situated. But um, yeah, month to month right now, uh, these two homes, a uh, couple hundred bucks under fair market rent. We're going to, you know, collect rent until probably like August, um, September time. And then, uh, yeah, just bring up, hey, this is what fair market rent is. Um, that's what we're going to need to collect. Uh, I mean, and then you can decide, you know, if you want to do uh, a contract, you do month to month at that price. And if not, uh, then we'll probably have to do like a cash for keys or evict. And what a cash for keys is, is just here's X amount of dollars. Please leave the place by this time. And then we'll just fill it with Section 8. So, but yeah, I, I don't believe in um, Section 8 every, like. Oh you just got yeah you got you got to do what's best what makes the most sense and so my idea is all the properties will eventually have section eight tenants because that's that's the best that's option that's what I like but um but yeah right off the bat uh, if the situation doesn't make sense for that then it doesn't right away so and if there's um, someone there that true. wants to stay and will pay and, and they're and good tenants and then sure yeah it's a problem then you could move forward and figure that out yeah yeah yeah. So there's yeah, just, the point at the end of yeah. the day is to provide, you know, quality housing to the best of your ability yeah. at a fair and, rate. So. Exactly. And and honestly, another huge thing that I am surprised I haven't brought up already because it's it's hugely important on why I do Section 8 is because um, you're you're providing housing to um, like disabled, uh, the disabled, like uh, military, like people that um you know, that need housing that cannot pay, like you're helping out people that are in need and everyone, like the majority of landlords do not, they discriminate against Section 8. And so they, they're just not that open-minded, I feel like. And so it's really cool being able to provide housing to uh, those, those type of um, groups, well, yeah. groups of people. So but you can feel good cool. about the money that you're making too. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a bonus. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I actually, I have a few questions also still related to kind of like the remote landlord situation. Yeah. Do you, when you do you like in person meet tenants ever, or do you do everything, all like the leases and everything online? Like what's your, what's your strategy? What's your day to day? Yeah. So everything's actually online. Uh, I've never been to Cleveland. I've never met face-to-face -face any of the tenants or anything like that so um yeah you know everything's online i don't even have a property management team right now i don't plan on getting one until i have a lot more properties and i will know when that time is when it's like okay 
that's just um, this is too much it's too much I, I don't handle that and so yeah but like anything that i need like boots on ground people it's either like my agent or uh just a website called thumbtack and those it's just like uh contractors and stuff that will go fix odds and ends so uh, that type of thing but yeah technology nowadays you never would have thought like even probably 20 years ago i would say that you could really do every like buy properties not even see them once in your life it's just yeah. crazy yeah it's crazy and i just wanted to reiterate one more time that this episode was made with zencaster and check out our coupon code below if you're interested to utilize their tools i feel like most people yeah aren't even 100 yeah. up to date that that's what people are doing oh like, for you know, sure younger real estate owners oh for sure I, I mean it'd be really nice to be able to just drive 20 minutes to the prior. I mean, that'd be really nice, but it just doesn't make sense. Originally, um, right before I learned about Section 8, I wanted to do Airbnb uh, in uh, St. George, Utah, six hours away. It's a warmer climate than in Logan. We get some snow. So it's kind of like a vacation area for yeah. Utah. And I'm just like, the cash flow just does not make a whole lot of sense because I'm like, okay, the property would be over 400000 now. We could do that. Like I have a, a HELOC on my home right now. Those funds are really nice for down payments, everything like that. I could buy that property, but it, gosh, I mean, it'd stretch me out quite a bit to be able to just buy that one property. And yeah, yeah we'd cash flow. It was going to be like seven to eight hundred and fifty dollars a month Airbnb. But I'm like, why don't we just buy multiple property? Then I learned about Section Eight. I'm like, okay, this makes way more sense cash flowing. I can get into a dozen properties within a year, all cash flowing between we want to be five fifty to six fifty. Um and yeah, have a lot more properties and you know, down payment twenty percent, cash to close is like fourteen grand instead of because the because the, price the pricing there, of yeah. the home and you still get a premium for for rent price, which is just super nice. Where people think, okay, well a sixty thousand dollar home isn't rent only going to be like Three hundred dollars? No, it's I mean fair market rent for a three bed uh, place in Cuyahoga County in Cleveland's like thirteen hundred, thirteen oh one, something like that. So I'd have to double check exactly, That's, but yeah, it's just crazy. No, and yeah, the numbers work out pretty good. That's yeah, they awesome. <clears throat> is this is this something that you would recommend to other people to do full time or? Is it possible to do this part-time? 100% part-time. Uh, I actually still work at a nine-to-five job, Vivint Home Security. I do like inbound calls, customer service type things. So um, yeah, 100%. Uh, by the end of the year, I definitely have plans on on quitting uh, just so I can really... I mean, I, yeah, but You're I, there I, now. You're at the point yeah, where you can scale. Yeah, for sure. And I am, but I feel like um, I'm not going to quit that until like I the moment I notice I cannot put in all of the effort that needs to be put in to section eight and real estate in general that's the day I quit but as of right now it's enough time oh, that you have it's yeah. totally yeah I mean it really isn't I mean it's the biggest thing is people just don't want to take a risk I mean that's just oh, it, yeah. it terrifies lots of people and rightfully so like it's scary it for sure is but I mean, it's just something you got to do, you know, without risk, there's no reward, right? <laughs> and you can so, create like immense and you amounts got, of time for you. Yeah, by yeah doing this stuff. for sure. And you got to, you got to take, uh, you got to manage your risk. You shouldn't take risk just for risk, but you got to really analyze it and stuff. And 
Yeah. Well, yeah, so, you have a plan. Like, yeah. you know, things might not go 100% according to plan along the way, but if you have yeah. a rough outline, you can always follow that to your goal. Yeah. And this one thing I also want to mention that's really cool about um, this, I guess, wouldn't say is necessarily Section 8, but it's just renting um, in areas like that buy box between 40 and 70,000 is you got to think of it this way as well. If you're in the market buying expensive homes, renting them out, which is fine and all, but you and I know this market's crazy. And um, I don't think there'll be a collapse. I don't think there'll be a collapse, but I I really don't believe it will keep growing continually at this pace. There's going to be some relief and stuff like that. But what I'm getting at is what's really cool is a 20% market drop on a $450,000 house is substantial. Whereas when it's on a $55,000 home, that's not as much. And so I can sleep better at night knowing, holy crap, I'm not. And like I mentioned, the equity, I shouldn't say I don't care about, but it's just not your main priority. It's just not, it's the cash flow. And so that's something that's really cool as well, where that's nice buying, buying the homes that, that cheaper price. Whereas I, I can sleep better at night knowing if the market takes those big release cuts dropping by that amount, that is not that big of a deal. So if you bought, if you got a property for 600,000, like you said, 20 to 25% drop. That's substantial. Yeah. You lost over six figures in equity. Yeah. All right. Um, I guess my, the next thing I want to ask you is just about location. Um, are there other cities in the U.S. or outside of the U.S. that you would be interested in expanding into or not? Um, gosh, like outside of the U.S., I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not even close to there yet. <laughs> we still need to master U.S., but um, other areas like in the U.S., I guess, um, I would have to look, I have like an Excel, like a buy box sheet. And there were a handful other I've been just so consumed with the Cleveland area. Cause it's, it's done me good so far that, um, I need to remember, um, Akron. I think that was one. Toledo. That was a good area. Some stuff about Toledo. I don't okay. know section eight there though. Yeah. So great question. Actually, section eight is actually everywhere. Uh, there is not an area that is us wide. Every okay. single county, everything is section eight. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, even, I don't know about outside the U S or anything like that, but yeah, anywhere is section eight. Um, but yeah, there's a couple I'd have to look, but like, I remember Akron being one or whatever, but I got a, I guess one question I have is cause on the podcast, I consistently talk about, this is what I'm passionate about as well. And I want to get into it. I haven't gotten my first property, <clears throat> but I guess my mindset was, um, <clears throat> Where I'm currently at, I'm probably going to be relocating in two to three years. And I know if you want to do a first-time home buyer, three three and a half percent down, I'd need to live in wherever I go for one year. So I was going to wait to purchase my first home, do that, maybe later transfer it under an LLC. Yeah, quick and claim it. At, at that point, start moving to you know the like lower value homes, seeing what yeah. I could do there, and putting a lower down payment. But then I feel like maybe am I waiting? Because right now, I guess I could technically do what you're doing and just worry. Would that cancel me out from getting a three and a half percent or not? Um, That's a great question. And I haven't been in that situation. So I'm not quite sure because I bought the home I'm living at before doing these. So I'm that's a great question. Um, Because I don't know if you'd be technically considered like still a first time home buyer because I was I only exactly so. That's a, that's a really good question. I, I'm not sure. 
I guess um, I could easily get that answer too. But yeah, you could definitely look it up, like Reddit or whatever. You could you could look that up for I'm sure. I'm at the point where I could you know make a move on a property of those values, and then I'm thinking, why am I not? Because I'm also <laughs> jugg- juggling other things outside of a nine to five, also, and I feel like I can make the time. And you know, my recommendation is if you can still because it, it's huge being able to just do three three nine percent because that's what I did on yeah. this home. Uh, so if the answer is yes, you can still be technically like a first time home buyer. I would for sure get a handful of properties, be cash flowing. I would recommend anywhere between uh, like that five, six fifty cash flow after, you know, home insurance, every homeowner's insurance yeah. and everything like that. Get a couple of those, you know, have those cash flowing and then you can use that as um, like leverage to, you know, get the home that you, you would be living in then. So I think that's a, that's a good idea, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, you really only need 14 grand at most. I mean, each yeah. property. Um, and then I would definitely recommend doing like a um, cash out refining uh, all of those when they're eligible, if you have some equity or doing like a HELOC on, on the main property. Once What's you buy it. So yeah, it's a, it's a home equity line of credit. So the best way to okay. explain it is it's a credit card for your equity on your that's simply what it is. Um, and so since I have a substantial amount of credit, I have $80,000 of revolving line of credit that I can use for anything, whether it's... Um, you can purchase other homes with that. Oh, anything. You can do anything. Yeah. And then obviously it's a variable interest rate. And so for cash advance, cash advances, they're doing like a promo right now. Uh, Golden West Credit Union, who I went with. Uh, for cash advances... Cash advances over ten thousand. They have a promotional one point five interest rate, so that's like free that's money. Really, really and then after that, it's still I think three point five plus prime, which is prime is just like the nationwide um, like interest rate. I don't know exactly the intricacies of it, um, but essentially it's it's going to hover around about four percent. And so it. I mean, the best, the most important thing you have got to do is leverage other people's money. That yeah. is how the rich get rich. They're not using their own money. You need those first couple properties. You do. With a few years of equity built into them, and then you could just start borrowing again. Oh, yeah. It kind of blows up after that. Yes. You just got to freaking grind out because I remember just working my butt off to get this home. And then every little bit just gets easier and easier because then you have some assets and stuff, and then you can start leveraging. Oh, yeah. And then once you get a couple, I mean, I mean, you're set, you can just keep going. But that first part, and that's what separates lots of people that it's like, oh, it's too hard. You just got to, you just got to get through the first part of it. And then, then things get, I don't know if I like the word easier, but a lot more, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that will motivate, motivate uh, lots of people. So it's kind of my two cents on it. Once you know how to do something, it's not as like scary or difficult to try and redo what something you've already done. Yes. And you also have got to do, you got to have a system. You got to have a game plan and a system. And lots of this is new to me. I didn't take any type of course for section eight or anything, but I'm just learning along the, along the way. And there, I mean, every day there's something new where it's like, Oh, I didn't know we had to do this or this is how we're going to do this. And that's just, I think lots of people get paralyzed by that. They don't know how to do it. And no one, I mean, you just got to go for it. You got to just take action, take action. So, um, 
yeah, and then obviously there will be lots of learning experiences, but how I look at it, it's like, heck, it's a lot cheaper than, it's cheaper than college in that sense, but um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, all right, I know John, John will definitely love this, this topic of financial freedom. Um, or I think John, you mentioned like time, was it time or location freedom and how there are different types of freedom? I, I said time freedom, but yeah, uh, Maurice, who we had on the podcast, uh, in the past, he's also really into real estate and he said that there's a few different types of freedom, time, freedom, geographic freedom, uh, and a few others, but I honestly, uh, forgot the other two. Yeah. But, I mean, time freedom is the real goal, right? It's to be able to do whatever you want. And that's why you mentioned before, uh, the moment that it would get to be too much to juggle everything at that point, you're kind of defeating the purpose of having the properties. Then you have your own nine to five. Yeah. You're the boss of your nine to five, but you still have that nine to five. And that's, that's the goal to get out of that, to be able to, like you mentioned, have the time, time, you got to take back your time. That's the most important thing. The money. Yeah. that That's great. And all it's a means to an end, but yeah, being able to do what you want, when you want, with who you want. And not worry yeah, about whatever you want. <laughs> paying your bills and being able to afford what you're doing. And also pursue passions that you like. You know, you probably have a bunch of passions that Yeah. You gotta know you your why. Doing. Yeah. Yep, you gotta know your why. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Because when things get hard, you're gonna circle back to that. And if it's not a solid why, lots of the time it won't be enough to get through those hard times. So yeah yeah do you do you have like some overarching driving factor or something that really motivates you to do what you're doing um kind of a couple things uh one of them is just like no one in my family has like an entrepreneur mindset or no one i shouldn't say like not so they're not like i shouldn't say that they're not supportive or anything like that but I just like, I want to prove myself. Like I can do this like for me because of me. Um, And then, you know, deep down there is a part of me where it's like, yeah, I want to prove it to them, friends and family, stuff like that. Um, But deep down it's, I just am sick and tired of the nine to five. I want to take back my time. And yeah, there's just something deep down where I don't know what it is about me. Lots of people have it. I definitely don't think I'm unique in the sense, but it's just somewhere I want to be the best version. Like I just want more, like everything that this life has to offer. And I think this is a good way to do it. Like that type of thing. Like I, I don't know. It's a little tricky to explain, but that kind of thing. Yeah. Being an entrepreneur or at least committing yourself to doing something on your own and kind of going down this path it's a journey in like every sense of the word it's not just figuring out how to buy properties or how to make money passively it's every day you have to wake up and you need to question the things you're doing and you know am i doing the best for myself and i am i treating my peers the right way and am i making the right decisions am i controlling my emotions so like you said waking up and just trying to be the best version of yourself you pretty much have to constantly be asking yourself and checking, am I doing the best that I can be doing to put myself in the position I need to, to succeed. And you kind of become your best self that way. Yeah. I mean, it's not overnight. It's just, okay, today let's focus on today. Yeah. 
I mean, one thing I like, I haven't even written up here, um, is that one, if you focus on the present, the future will take care of itself. That's one thing that I really like because you can't be sitting there. You can, I think it's, you definitely need to be mindful of the future for sure. And you need to take care of it, but let's focus on the present. And then if you do that each time, it's crazy how the future takes care of itself. So that's one thing I kind of like that kind of guides me through, through lots of things, but yeah. Yeah. Trusting the process on those days that it might be. Yeah. If you do what needs to be done, then like the, the future, like you will have already done something that will help you in some way. Right. Yeah. And then another thing real quick, that's pretty cool is I don't know. Some one said, I think this was like a motivational video or something I saw that I really like is that um, you need to be, you need to be very firm about your goal, but how to get there, you need to be very loose about it. And that those aren't the exact words. I, I can't remember exactly, but that was the gist of it. I, I think it's on lots of different motivational videos or stuff like that online. But I really like that. It really hit home to me because it's so true. It's so true. I mean, I've tried everything. Um, real estate wholesaling, if you're familiar with that, drop shipping, that I mean, I, I've done it I've all. I've tried too, it yeah. all. And so, um, but at the end of the day, um, passive income, that was, that was the main goal. And you just need to be yeah, firm on that end goal. But how to get there, you need to be very flexible. If you get too very stuck flexible, anything, yes. then you could actually, you could be the reason that you don't achieve your goal. Yep. Got to be flexible on how to get there because it's not, I mean, it, it's, it's not a straight line. Oh, it's not. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, Ahmed, if you don't have anything else, I was going to say, um, I mean, it's pretty clear after having this conversation that, you know, you're at that point, you're just scaling up and you, you're in an exciting point in your life because if you just <laughs> grind out these next few years, you know, at whatever point you want to scale to, but if you just keep doing what you're doing now and repeating the process, you're going to achieve that goal. So, you know, congratulations. That's the plan. I appreciate it. Big congrats, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. Hopefully, hopefully we can all keep scaling and, and getting there, hopefully with your home and everything like that. So. Yeah. Thanks for uh, answering some there. of the questions too. And enlightening, enlightening us on some of the, you know, intricacies yeah. of section eight housing. For sure. Hopefully it makes more sense. <laughs> you want to plug any social media or just uh, yeah website? i mean our website it's peak p-e-a-k-e dash homes.com update that each property everything like that um and then yeah it's just the same just peak dot homes for all social media handles anything like that so um yeah give us a follow check out the website anything like that and reach out if you want any questions or anything i don't know everything but i think i know a good amount so hopefully i can be a value and hopefully yeah it helps so awesome thank you so much for coming on Nate. yeah i appreciate you having me it's fun i mean you want to close us off sure you guys all know where to find us at black box podcast no a in the black on instagram and twitter black box podcast with an a in the black on tiktok uh, you can email us at blackboxsubmission at gmail.com. Thanks again, Nate, for coming on. And um, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Yeah, thanks Peace. for having me. See you guys. Good luck. Thanks.